0: Support for this podcast comes from Brynmar Communications. BMC produces a number of informative podcast series spanning a variety of topics in optometry. Discover a new show at itube.net slash podcasts.
1: Welcome to the pilot episode of Genetics and Eye Care Today podcast miniseries. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Yu, and we have joined with me today is Dr. John Gillis. Hi, Liz. Hi. Um, Dr. John Gellis is an optometrist at the Cornea and Laser Institute in Teaneck, New Jersey, where he is the director of the Specialty Contact Lens Division. He's also an assistant clinical professor at Rutgers New Jersey Medical School and an adjunct clinical professor at New England, Illinois, and SUNY College of Optometry.
0: And Dr. Yu is an anterior segment surgeon and partner at Virginia Eye Consultants in southeastern Virginia, and she's also a professor of ophthalmology at Eastern Virginia Medical School.
1: So in this monthly series, we, as well as several other guests, will be guiding listeners through discussions about the evolving world of genetic testing in eye care, and we'll review how innovations in genetic testing have affected the screening, diagnosis, and care of patients with corneal dystrophies, as well as keratoconus. You will also want to check out the Genetics and Eye Care Today website for articles and other resources that explore these exciting developments. We'll link this site in the show notes.
0: So let's dive right in. Liz, I want to start from kind of a top-level view here and then zoom in. Uh, Broadly, what do you think the role is of genetics and eye care?
1: John, that's actually a great question. Um, a conversation you and I had a couple of weeks back just, you know, brought to light an aha moment for me. We think about patients and genetic testing on a daily basis, whether or not I realized it before. We determine risk factors for certain diseases that we see all the time, including glaucoma as well as macular degeneration. Um, And we do recognize that there are some diseases like corneal dystrophies, which can be very linked to certain point mutations like those big H3 genes that we all know about. And there are also other more difficult diseases like keratoconus, um, and they can certainly be linked to genetics. And eye care is definitely due for an awakening vis-a-vis genetics, and that awakening will be led by innovations in testing. Um, And essentially, when clinicians further understand how genetics can truly fit into how patients are being evaluated Further managed that decision tree, um, they'll be better able to offer the type of care that can level up and and essentially revolutionize how they treat certain diseases um, like keratoconus or uh, post LASIK ectasia, etc.
0: Perfect. Well, let's uh, you know, let's zoom in a little bit on uh, keratoconus and corneal dystrophies, really. And, you know, let's discuss how tools like uh, the Avagen test from, uh, uh, from Abilino really fit into our screening and diagnosis of patients.
1: A standard eye care exam clearly may not effectively screen a patient for keratoconus. By the time that we can see keratoconus or other corneal dystrophies on topography, the condition may have already advanced um, such that trying to um, use intervention to mitigate or kind of stabilize the disease process is not going to be as effective as if it were caught earlier. This may be true also for borderline patients where we're thinking of utilizing a genetic assessment in order to kind of serve as that quote-unquote tiebreaker for determining whether or not intervention is necessary uh, as Uh, as well as for me, uh, really important in biomechanical diagnostic testing, right? So for my patients where I'm thinking about, is that cornea strong enough? Is the hysteresis stable enough for that patient to undergo corneal eczema laser refractive surgery. And diagnostic devices may not be feasible uh, for all practices, and we certainly recognize that even so, it in itself is not the be-all, end-all. It really is a combination of understanding how all of these play a role, including genetic testing, to strengthen um, us as clinicians.
0: Yeah. And and how do you feel that you know, results from uh, you know an Avagen test might be important for us to inform in clinical practice.
1: The Avagen test for me, you know, in my own hands, it was not just for academic interest. I mean, initially, sure, you know, for patients who already had known keratoconus, it was great when I could utilize it uh, for their family members to understand if they are at higher risk of for keratoconus or not. But the critical element is that the testing now allows clinicians to know earlier and with more confidence and for me to be able to offer that earlier personalized treatment. And this knowledge is really empowering because we can stabilize patients sooner, prevent progression, and ultimately improve the quality Of life. And this knowledge really helps to inform other treatment decisions, including uh, patients' candidacy for refractive surgery, as well as other medical therapeutic um, treatment options like orthokeratology or uh, therapeutic contact lenses without masking early disease. Keratoconus risk is linked to approximately 75 genes. Dr. Nazneen Aziz shares what Avigen, the genetic eye test from Avelino, can tell us about patient risk for developing keratoconus.
2: Genetic diseases can be categorized into two general buckets, monogenic or polygenic diseases. Monogenic diseases are associated with a single gene's mutation. Cystic fibrosis is an example of a monogenic disease. At the other end of the genetic disease spectrum are polygenic diseases, also called complex or multigenic diseases. More than one gene is at play in polygenic disease. So polygenic disease uh, expression is linked with genetic factors, such as a genetic mutation, but also with environmental factors, such as diet or lifestyle. And diabetes and hypertension are two common polygenic diseases that serve as good examples, as their trajectories are clearly influenced by environmental factors, but also linked to genetic risk factors. In eye care, keratoconus is among the most common polygenic disease where patients can benefit from genetic testing. Researchers have linked Keratoconus to 75 genes a number that may grow as we learn more about the disease. Calculating risk in monogenic diseases is straightforward. You either have the defective gene or you don't. It's a yes or no answer. Risk calculation in polygenic diseases such as keratoconus is far more complex. Each of the 75 genes linked to keratoconus could have any combination of variants that may be associated with developing the disease. As of today, approximately 2,300 variants from these 75 genes have been used in the analysis for a risk score generation for keratoconus. More pathogenic variants will likely be detected as the genomes of more and more patients are evaluated. At Avellino, our Avagen genetic test care is a major breakthrough in early understanding of a patient's keratoconus risk in a way that is clinically relevant in everyday practice. It is relevant because it provides risk scores for both symptomatic and asymptomatic patients to enable eye care professionals to know early like never before. As we sequence the genome of more patients, more data will be available for geneticists like us. That means polygenic risk calculation for conditions like keratoconus and other diseases will become increasingly more precise over time for different ethnic groups. Enhanced genetic tests such as those developed by Avelino help clinicians practice what is termed personalized or precision medicine. If a high-risk patient is identified via genetic test that accurately calculates risk of getting the disease, then that patient's doctor may be confident enough to prescribe early intervention to address that either the disease is prevented from occurring or slowing down the trajectory of disease progression. This marriage between genetics and medicine is changing how medicine is practiced allowing doctors to target the most at-risk patient without burdening low-risk patient with interventions that may not be needed. For Genetics and Eye Care Today, I'm Dr. Nazneen Aziz.
1: So now let's ask you a few questions, Dr. Gillis. I'd love to hear from you about you know, your experience with uh, keratoconus and genetic testing and, and how it would help you with your clinical management of patients. John, you told me about a patient you saw during your first year of practice. Remind me of how he presented again.
0: Uh, yeah. So Liz, the, um, this is kind of an interesting patient, interesting story. So in my first year, uh, I was working in a MDOD uh, cornea practice uh, a little bit of primary care, and actually a very large myopia control center uh, within this. So, the patient presented uh, as about a 13 year old uh, male um, who was having difficulty in his orthokeratology. Uh, vision was decreasing. He came in at about 2040. Historically, his vision had been uh, 20 20 plus in both eyes. He had been wearing orthokeratology for about the past four or five years uh, without any complications. Looking at the original maps, corneas looked pristine. The maps, though, were uh, anterior uh, placido disc topographies. Um, when we took a look at the maps, you know, his uh, bullseye pattern from the orthokeratology had been, you know, kind of warped. And, uh, you know, we made an attempt at trying to correct the fit of the lens. Uh, without success, and then decided that the best, you know, uh, course of action was to just wash the patient out and let them start over and re- get new maps. And lo and behold, when the, uh, you know, when we went through the washout period, the uh, cornea goes back to its natural position and the epithelium redistributes. Uh, we can see that this individual has keratoconus, um, kind of a early uh, set. Um, of parameters were found somewhere around, uh, you know, 48 to 50 diopters, uh, but enough to definitely say that this individual had keratoconus. So what that was really showing me and how kind of, you know, the Abigen test or, 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 uh, you know, the availability of genetics would have helped this case is, you know, if we had done the genetic test at this point, um, what we would have found is that uh, the individual had the risk factors for keratoconus. And um, that would have uh, guided me to say that maybe we don't use a method of myopia control that manipulates his anterior cornea where we would lose the ability to diagnose this early. Um, Rather, we may use a soft multifocal lens or uh, atropine therapy to be able to to treat that individual.
1: What did you observe on your clinical examination of that patient?
0: The first thing that we really noticed was that visual acuity was down quite a bit. And when we looked at the topography maps of that individual, we're starting to see that the traditional bullseye pattern of the orthokeratology uh, is quite warped. Um, So when we're looking at that, we're also looking at the condition of the cornea, and there's now some apical SPK that had not been there previously, um, all indicating that the fit of the lens was no longer uh, correct.
1: So this obviously took place before something like the avigen test was available. Now, if the avigen test was available, at which point in this patient's orthokeratology treatment would you have done the test,
0: before or during so I think the most appropriate application of this would be prior to treatment to be able to assess risk in this individual. Um, you know, this individual, uh, had we have had the test, we could have seen that they had possibly higher risk factors for development of keratoconus, um, which then would have changed my decision uh, to take another uh, method or uh, modality of myopia management for this individual, such as like a soft multifocal contact lens. Or uh, the use of atropine.
1: That is just so enlightening, right there. Because I'll say, from the perspective of a cornea specialist, I never even thought about the fact that utilizing something like a rigid type of uh, contact lens, which would flatten and kind of hold a certain shape, could, you know, create. An issue where time is lost, potentially precious time where we would be able to treat early. And, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not sure how many clinicians are really aware of that. It might be more than I recognize, and it's just uh, me, but that's a fascinating story and really interesting clinical pearls.
0: Yeah, it becomes really interesting in the, the fact that, you know, most people who are using a corneal topographer, um, they or rather getting corneal maps even are really only using a topographer, which really only maps the anterior surface of the cornea. And if you're using a technology like orthokeratology that's made to manipulate the anterior cornea, and that's your only diagnostic factor for catching keratoconus, you've now effectively eliminated your only diagnostic factor.
1: So interesting. It actually... The idea of utilizing the abogen as that extra source of information, you know, um, it brings to light a patient case for me, which happened not too long ago. And I'm embarrassed and saddened to say that I think, I, well, no, I'm pretty certain I have a post-refractive surgery, ectasia, in a patient who was actually sent to me because of high with the rule of stigmatism. Now the patient had um, normal looking topographies, you know, nothing where there was that truncated bow tie centrally, not steep, average Ks. They've always had approximately two to three diopters with the rule of stigmatism. Now in their early thirties with an average pachymetry, everything looked good on orb scan. Their posterior float was within normal limits. So I watched them from one year to the next, no progression, absolutely thought, no, this is not keratoconus, does not look like form frust or subclinical either. I do think that while I would not perform LASIK, that PRK is totally within the realm of limits. Um, so I did perform PRK for her three years ago, first two years completely stable, ecstatic with her vision. She comes back uh, this year and in her right eye, which she does rub some, there's you know, definitely suspicious looking recurrence of astigmatism. So I'm treating this with cross-linking to prevent any further progression of the astigmatism. But this is a patient where I would have absolutely gotten an abigen test for had it been available
0: to me. Yeah. Yeah. That it's so interesting, Liz. Like when you look at the application of this for prevention of uh, complications and, and really making changes that would be actionable for the patient, that's extremely interesting. Like when you had this patient in your chair there, you know, was there any moment that gave you pause in your approach?
1: And that answer is sadly no. Now, with the availability of a genetic test yes i would have had a pause because there was there is a there's the higher sill but even the sill looked normal so if there was any quote unquote yellow light sure it's the higher amount of astigmatism but with everything else she looked good enough to get prk she looked stable enough now in the face of having another source of information that gives me inherent data about that person's, you know, inherent predilection for progression or their corneal hysteresis based on their genetics. Yes, that yellow light, any yellow light in my evaluation process for me means that I would be getting that genetic test as the tiebreaker um, to decide whether or not they are a refractive surgery candidate
0: yeah it's so interesting how these you know in two different disciplines whether that's from you know a surgical perspective or from just a management perspective it would have changed our clinical uh, our clinical choices and our uh, methods of treatment it's a it's a very very powerful tool
1: could not agree with you more yeah So
0: with that, thanks for joining us on this debut episode of Genetics and Eye Care Today. To stay up to date, subscribe in your podcast app of choice. In our five upcoming episodes, we'll cover a range of topics, so look out for the next episode to drop in your podcast feed next month. For now, I'm John Gellies.
1: And I'm Elizabeth Yu.
0: Join us in May, and we'll discuss how genetic data can help make LASIK decisions when patients have a suspicious cornea.